Storm Bowling Products. The Bowlers Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is John Janowitz. John recently celebrated his 23rd year with Kegel. Janowitz handles Kegel's tech support and also is involved in lane maintenance. JJ, it's Tim Berg and Coach Casey of Klempkin. Thanks for being here today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast. Yeah, say thanks. Thanks for having me, Tim. Really appreciate it. Always great being here. All right. Well, yeah. So let's let's begin here. So Junior Gold wrapped up not too long ago in Indianapolis. You were there. Uh, in, in your role with Kegel. So let's begin. I, I'd love to hear your perspective on things as someone who's there for that entire, uh, for that long event and and, uh, and, and dressing the lanes and, and watching some of the competition as well. What are your impressions from a, a, a massive event like Junior Gold? Uh, you know, for, from a lane maintenance standpoint, uh, I will say it's by far the most tiring event that we have to do. I mean, uh, we definitely oil more lanes in that event than probably any uh, four or five events combined uh, that I'll usually do over the course of the year. But uh, it's really it's really very cool to see all the youth come through. And uh, I've worked this tournament ever since the first one in uh, 98, and I've missed a few here and there. But uh, it's really cool to see the development of the youth and uh, how much smarter that they've gotten over time and how physical games have uh, gotten – you know, have improved a lot as well as, uh, you know, one of the big things I've noticed too, is just the, the increase in the amount of two handers on the, uh, on the, on the men's mm-hmm. side. And I even noticed even on the women's side, you know, this year, uh, you know, it, it, I'm just starting to see more and more. And I, I don't know what the exact you know number was like on the boys side, but it, it's, I swear it had to be somewhere around like one in five or one in six, you know, it, at least, uh, you know, for the, uh, the U 15 that I had over at my center. Wow, that's a lot. And, and you mentioned you did see uh, some of the uh, some of the younger younger uh, ladies side on the girls side. Actually, that's one of the things I was yeah. kind of surprised. I think over the years is that we haven't really seen somebody emerge as a highly competitive, you know, two hander. Uh, we've seen so many on the guy side, but we haven't on the girls. So that's that's pretty that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the uh, the U18 girls uh, at my place. And, I mean, just from the squads that I had watched, you know, just off and on. And I didn't, you know, pay ra- you know, razor close attention to all of them. But, I mean, I remember seeing six, you know. So, I mean, mm. and, and I'm sure there's probably a few more that I missed, uh, you know, six two-handed women. And, uh, you know, considering the last time I remember working in 16, I didn't remember seeing any. Um, I think that's – it's also just kind of – kind of a you know a sign of the times that uh, you know that you know, that trend is definitely starting to filter into uh you know all of the youth all the way around and uh, a couple of them actually threw, threw really well so uh i'm kind of looking forward to seeing you know what might happen you know what we might see another you know three four or five years down the road does does that factor into deciding oil conditions when you're you're putting that stuff together i know uh you know typically we assume like hey you got some two-handers like they have a much bigger rev rate and then i think the general feeling at least is that well they seem to take a lot more oil off the lane a lot more quickly so is that something you have to you have to do you kind of adhere to that philosophy is that something you take into account 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is something, I think, just more from a, uh, you know, a rev rate standpoint. You know, you just have to, you know, account for the rev rate, you know, just to try to get a little bit more oil more than anything just to, uh, um, you know, just get the lanes to hold up, you know. And, and at least the good mm-hmm. thing, though, with gold is that, you know, since they're, they're only bowling four games on it, you know, you're not seeing a massive amount of depletion. So, I mean, you know, but uh, – we definitely have to look at that a lot more when you start getting into, you know, six games or eight game blocks and you're getting four in a pair or more. That's definitely something we have to consider a little bit more, though. John, with the USBC Open Championships concluding not too long ago, I'd love to get your perspective on the patterns as they were released. I know there was lots of people talking about the lengths and the volumes and everything, but can you expand on the patterns as you see them and and how you think they played and what your initial thoughts were when you took a look at them when the USBC posted them? Yeah, I I felt like uh, they were both a little bit on the softer side. I think the team event more so than the doubles and singles, because I thought the doubles and singles the last few years was pretty playable anyway. But uh, the the team event was definitely, I felt like it was a little bit more relaxed compared to the, uh, you know, probably at least, you know, the last three years and our, you know, the last previous three years, because they were definitely a couple they were definitely a little bit on the harder side, especially on the fresh. And uh, it did feel like there was a little bit more, a little a shade more hold and also uh, a little more swing. And, you know, when I kind of look at the, at the way the pattern was designed, yeah, it kind of, it kind of reflects that to, you know, definitely more so compared to previous years. So, uh, so yeah, that definitely makes sense. But uh, the doubles and singles kind of surprised me a little bit. Actually, I thought it might've been a shade longer than it really was, but, um, but otherwise, I mean, from a shape standpoint and, based on what I saw in ball reaction. Yeah, I could definitely see that and knowing the services and bowling in both of those buildings, uh, you know, more than a couple of times. Yeah, I could, I could see that. And one of the things I know there's, I mean, there's so much to look at when you look in the, you know, you're looking at those sheets, uh, looking at all the information on there. I mean, there's, we could, we could do a whole, you know, podcast or maybe a series of podcasts, even just kind of going through the details on there. But, you know, one of the things that we did, on there that kind of came up was that it was uh strictly the uh the the fire keggles fire oil that was used mm-hmm. the lane conditioner for both of those patterns on both the forward and yep. reverse what in mm-hmm. what in general do you um uh, how much credence do you put into the type of oil that's selected i think a lot of people always talk about the length of the pattern or they talk about you know mm-hmm. maybe the ratio or something like that but what about the uh of course the lane surface too there at the south point we've got two different surfaces as well but maybe talk just a little bit about that lane surface the importance of it and how the the you know how the conditions play as as well as the the type of conditioner yep i mean uh, you know with the surfaces you know the plaza the lanes are still reasonably and reasonably new i mean uh they you know they're definitely a you know they don't 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 quite have the line it's like definitely like the bowling center does downstairs but, uh, you know, that is one of the things that, you know, at least that we try to do is, you know, try to match the right conditioner with the surface and also with the, uh, you know, with the clientele also that you're trying to oil the lanes for more than anything. And, uh, you know, fire is just one of those really good, you know, all around conditioners. And uh, it's definitely very used very often in a lot of our competitive patterns. You know, it's got very good durability, but uh, it's not overly slick. So, you know, it's pretty suitable to a lot of different lane surfaces where, uh, you know, if you take a couple of our other conditioners like terrain and ice, you know, they tend to be a little bit more, a little more, 
uh, specific on, and, and they have a little bit more distinctive traits of being, you know, with ice being a little slicker and terrain definitely slowing the ball down a lot more. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I think more than anything, you know, like when we take care of tournaments, uh, you know, we, we definitely try to match that up. And, you know, if you got a, a little bit slicker surface and, you know, you're dealing with uh, and, and guys are having a little bit trouble of trouble getting the ball to slow down naturally, uh, you know, using a conditioner like fire or maybe a little bit of a combination with terrain would make a little bit more sense to get better front to back ball motion where, you know, when you're dealing with an, uh, a much uh, higher friction surface or a more worn surface, you know, conditioner like ice that's a little bit slicker, uh, you know, to help the ball get to the front to be able to open up different more angles through the uh, through the front part of the lane uh, down the lane, then that you know that definitely makes a little bit more sense. So that's kind of a little bit of like you know one of the things that we look at, and uh, you, know, you know, we obviously we didn't design the patterns for uh, for the Open Championships, but uh, you know, like I said, the, the fire, you know, considering you've got a broad range of players, you know, from you know. PBA touring pros all the way to, you know, the average league bowler. Uh, I think fires is a pretty solid, safe choice that, uh, you know, like I said, should not have any trouble with, uh, you know, getting the ball to slow down for, you know, many different types of styles. And as someone, like you said, a pattern development guy, not who created this one, but it has to has to kind of make you smile when you see the two guys at the top of the all-events leaderboard, two guys with vastly different styles in, in Chris Vai and, and Sean Rash, and, and meaning the pattern can play for a guy who's more up the back of it like Sean is, and then versus Chris, who's a two-hander and, and gets over 500, you know, five, has over 500 rev rates. So that ultimately, too, means seemingly the pattern – was equal for uh, for the higher rev guys versus your your lower rev guys as well, or your lesser rev guys, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there was definitely uh, yeah, they were definitely very playable. I thought you know both uh, you know both of the doubles and singles and the team events. You know, I I, I didn't think they were either one of them were overly tricky. You know, like I, said, I think the team event maybe was just a little a little bit more touchy. I think more than anything, just because of the fact that the uh, you know, the, the surface at the, the bowling at the regular bowling center just has a much more defined ball track, you know? So I think that kind of makes it a little bit, uh, a little bit more obvious, but, but, but short of that, I mean, I thought they both played pretty well. I mean, I, I can't really complain a whole lot. So, you know, I mean, I could have definitely had a little bit higher score, but, uh, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I definitely, not, it's not a, nothing to blame on the lane conditioning at all. It's just a operator error. Were you, were you surprised that somebody got up to twenty three hundred? Um, actually, I was. You know, I mean, uh, I think uh, in the funny part too is when when he had that uh, I think it was what eight twenty five or eight twenty um, yeah. eight twenty six in the team event. You know, I th- I thought to myself, you know that that was really the key. I thought because if you could crack a big one there, you know, I really thought that uh, I'm not gonna say it was easy, but I mean. 1400 plus in the in the bowling center i thought was very very attainable for especially for players of that caliber so you know to be able to 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 get the the bulk of it in the team event i really felt like he had a really good chance but uh i mean would i have bet you know based on what i saw 2300 that's i mean that's a I mean, even when they're just dead walled up for like you know local tournaments i mean that's 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 a big number in itself you know much less to do that you know, at nationals, but I mean, you know, when you're dealing with uh, probably one of the hottest players, you know, on the planet right now, and uh, you know, you're dealing with uh, you know a couple playable lane conditions for you know someone of that talent, and 
and both both of the uh, the plaza and the, the bowling center have really really good pin carries. So, I mean, in a way, I can see it, but I mean, I wouldn't have bet twenty three hundred based off of you know what I saw out there. I mean, I I, I actually thought Rash's score was pretty safe, but uh, you know that's why you just never know until the very end. And, John, as we move on, it is the, the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast as we're doing this interview mid-summertime here. What would your advice be to that that person, maybe let's say someone who's who's heading into college and they're bowling collegiately as far as stuff they should be working on, stuff they should be practicing on patterns and trying to get off of just your normal house shots, and, and what can they do to sharpen up their skills as they head to school this fall? Like a, like anything, if you've got the opportunity to practice on different patterns, I think more than anything is, uh, you know, just kind of get used to playing in the different zones, you know, that you get with uh, with short, medium, and long. You know, get get comfortable being able to slide, you know, fifteen and, and right of fifteen, and also, you know, being uh, being more comfortable being able to stand in front of the ball return or walk around the ball return to, uh, you know, play six arrow because. Uh, you know, in, with uh, the way the game is today, and especially with, you know, how college patterns develop and whatnot, you know, having to play the left is definitely part of the uh, part of the game today. And uh, also, you know, when you start getting to the, the elite levels and you start bowling events like Team USA trials or whatnot, you're, you're going to see short patterns. So you're going to need to be comfortable, you know, sliding right and maybe keeping your angles a little bit more parallel. So, uh, you know, I think more than anything is, you know, if you have that opportunity to, you know, to be able to practice on some different distances and different shapes. I mean, I think more than anything, just getting comfortable with, uh, you know, keeping your lines a little bit straighter. And especially when you're dealing with sport patterns and, uh, you know, where, you know, they're going to be a little flatter down the lane and, and you don't want to open, open it up too much. Uh, you know, just being comfortable with mm-hmm. keeping your, your lines a little bit more in front of you. And then, uh, also with the other extreme, you know, being able to, uh, you know, to be able to either walk around the ball return or stand in front of it and, uh, you know, be able to, uh, take advantage of, uh, you know, the, the traffic and uh, being able to get a little bit deeper than uh, than anybody else. Well, that's some great advice there, and that's one of the things you've been known for, for sure, in your game and your competitive career has been your versatility, and I think that's how you became a USBC Hall of Famer as well. So, But, uh, J.J., thank you so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate it, and thanks for uh, sharing your insight and your, your knowledge into uh, – into one of the most mysterious parts of the sport, really, which is lane condition. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Always, always appreciate it. And uh, you know, like I said, I uh, always look forward to uh, you know listening to your podcasts. And uh, like I said, let me know if you ever want to uh, chat again.